Harry. He was wonderful this year, and I do have to say, this was the least stressful VBS of a long, long time. He just did everything, and, and uh, we appreciate it so much. So thank you so much, Pastor Barry, and come and teach us now. such a great song. Thank you, 1988. Yeah. yeah. Rod Stewart, he's got like eight kids, and after he had his first couple of kids and was gone a lot, he uh, started getting a little more sentimental, and so he wrote this song just to kind of be a blessing to his kids and a reminder to himself that uh, he has the power to bless, and so he started taking his kids on tour with him. I think he's been married about 12 times, and so he really believes in the institution of marriage, and he loves kids, so yay, Rod. All right. Um, this is my mom and dad. I, I kind of call this picture Notorious Ed and Westside Polly. Um, it's like um, my dad had like this hat on, and we kind of said, Dad, we need to fix that for you. So we turned it to the side, and then we taught my mom how to do the west side thing. And so she said, don't you put that on Facebook. I said, I will not put it on Facebook. Just show it to everyone at church. Um, so, but my mom and dad are, like, amazing. They're like, uh, my mom told me, I think when she turned about 70, she said, I still feel like I'm 12. And so I'm like, I do too. So I, and it can bite naturally. But... Um, um, you know, what I'm going to talk about this week and then two weeks from now is just kind of breaking it up and just talk about how uh, Jesus actually calls us to be childlike. Um, but before we get there, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, thank you for all the wonderful volunteers and the kids that were here this week. And thank you that everyone's here today. And we just want to continue to experience your grace and your love and your freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Ephesians 5, uh, 25 through 27 says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And I really believe with all my heart, that Jesus is coming soon, but he's basically coming for a church. He's coming for all of us, and he's coming for us, and, and he's just continuing to wash away 
all of our blemishes and our spots. And uh, he's also renewing our youth because he said he's coming for a bride without wrinkle. So we got some Holy Ghost oil of Olay happening there. And I believe one of the things he's coming for is a very joyful, youthful church. Um, Trisha and I received a prophetic word years ago. It said It's like you are called to minister to young people. And we're like, okay. Uh, but the cool thing about that is, is that every church we've ever been at, it's like we have just experienced just this wonderful joy of being around some of the most youthful people. And some of the most youthful, youthful people I know have been in their 60s and 70s and 80s. And it's just been a real joy. Um, but a scary thing started happening to me when I was in my early 30s. I started getting really serious about everything in my life. I started um, getting really old and crusty really quick. I stopped smiling. I stopped dreaming. I stopped hoping. And I was really not a lot of fun to be around. I'd become a crusty old pastor at the ripe old age of 32. But a real breakthrough happened when... Um, God was just doing a lot of inner healing and kind of got sozoed uh, before we were sozoing people. And if you don't know what that is, ask someone, what's sozo? You guys know what I'm talking about? Just really kind of deep healing. Um, and, I, and I was dealing with some just some generational bondage and some childhood trauma. And uh, as that stuff started getting healed up, it's like I started just feeling like, Wow. I was experiencing this thing of like, I feel like I'm getting young again. You know, I'm kind of waking up again. And all this stuff just started melting away. And uh, we had uh, every Friday, well, it's like uh, a couple times a month we had a half night of worship where we had just six hours of just, of, of just worship and intercession. And I remember that night, I felt really good. And so when it was time to worship, I really worshiped. You know, I kicked off my shoes and I was doing the Charlie Brown dance and I was just spinning around, and I was hooping and hollering, and everyone was looking at me like, our crusty old pastor is young again. The cheese slipped off his cracker. I don't know, but, but they were very happy, and so was I. Uh, but, you know, I actually uh, just started experiencing what I'm talking about today. But I want to ask you a question. When did you start losing your childlike faith? Hopefully you haven't lost it. But if you have, we're going to recapture it today. When did you start growing up and growing away from having a childlike relationship with the Father? We're going to look at a familiar passage in Matthew 18, 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Now, two facts about this passage. Number one, this is not an evangelistic passage. When Jesus says to be converted, he's not talking to non-Christians. He's talking to us. 
people who already have accepted him as Lord and are following him to the best of our ability. Now, how do I know that? Look at verse 1. It identifies who Jesus is talking to, the disciples. He's talking to us. So that's the first fact. Everything in the Bible does not have to be evangelistic. Okay? Jesus is telling us in this text that this teaching isn't for you if you're not a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, we can take care of that too. But the second fact is that Christians have to be converted. Christians have to be converted. It doesn't matter how long we've been saved. It doesn't matter what we do in the church. All of us need to be converted. What Jesus is talking about is this amazing conversion where we rediscover childlike qualities in our lives to which we've been called. And I want to share a number of those with you, three today and a few more in a couple weeks. But I want to start with a really cool quote. Uh, One of my favorite books that Rick Joyner wrote was called The Journey Begins. And in this book, he actually kind of talks about children's ministry. And he said, recently, as I was walking and praying about what we could do to help children's ministries, the Lord hit me with one of those take-your-breath-away insights. He gently informed me that he did not want us to try to make the children mature Christians. He wanted the children to help make the mature Christians more like them. The children's ministry the Lord revealed to me was not so much ministry to the children as it was releasing children into the kingdom. And we must become like the children, not make them like us. We have to learn from them, and we have more to learn from them than they do from us. So that's one of the reasons why I love working with kids. And you're all children. Even if you're 80 years old here this morning, you're children. But, um, you know, I can also just invite you back that if you're ever just like feeling like I'm getting old before my time, you know, it's like maybe you just need to come back and hang out with some of these little guys. All right. Tell you some things we've lost. Number one, we've lost childlike trust. Right? Didn't you used to probably be a lot more trusting than you are right now? Does it take us long to learn how to mistrust? Well, why is that? Well, it doesn't help that we live in a fallen world, and there's creepers, and there's mean people, and there's people that uh, make it hard to trust. And uh, we teach our children that some people are bad. Matter of fact, we probably teach our kids, most people are bad. Don't trust anyone. And you can't trust anyone unless they've earned your trust. Now, I can't remember who it was, but there was some wacko philosopher or theologian I remember reading about in Bible college, and he wanted to teach this lesson about trust to his young son. So he actually took his young son, and he stood him up on top of a dresser. And he said, son, on the count of three, I want you to jump into my arms. And then he counted to three. And as soon as he counted to three, the little boy lunged lovingly into his dad's arms, only to find his dad pulled away and allowed his kid to slam on the floor. And as the little boy looked up with disbelief in his eyes, he said to his little boy, let that be a lesson to you. Never trust anyone. 
That kid probably has a lot of therapy, a lot of issues. <laughs> and so we grow up. Someone has betrayed us. The knife has been stuck in. Because even our brothers and sisters have betrayed us. And we don't really want to trust anymore. Grown-ups don't trust. Only kids do. That's why we need to teach kids. Don't trust people. So we aren't very open anymore. Because we think, if I trust you with my soul... Are you going to care for it or are you going to betray me? If, um, you know, and it's just those things that just happen. You know, maybe we're afraid, well, don't trust me with your soul because I'll probably mess it up too. I've been around the church long enough to know that most Christians are plagued by all kinds of fears and wounds and sins. They're harboring horrible secrets in their lives and they can't trust a soul with those secrets. But let me tell you what I've learned from childlikeness. Jesus isn't like the wacko dad I just told you about. If he tells you to get up on a dresser, Jamie, he'll he'll say, hey, I'm going to catch you. I'll be there. Jump, child. I'll catch you. And he will. The world and sometimes even the church tells us to grow up and become an adult, which involves learning to mistrust people. I challenge you to recapture childlike trust and release it wherever you can. I just love to people, tell people, I trust you. You're free. I love that about Randy. That's one of the first things Pastor Randy would say to me. It's like all the time, it's like, you're free. I trust you. That's wonderful. Okay. So, we've lost childlike trust. But now you've recaptured it. You're all a little more trusting now, right? Maybe. Okay. One time, um, my little girl Miranda was coming down the stairs. And she loved Apple Jacks. And as she was coming down the stairs, she said, Dad, can I have Apple Jacks? And I said, yes. She said, they're made from real apples. And I just said, maybe. All right. So maybe I'm getting a little more trust. Second thing we've lost is childlike honesty. Boy, aren't kids honest? Sometimes like, ugh. Some of you were nervous when the mic was being passed around. Like, what are they going to say? <laughs> Here it comes. Yeah. Well, anyway, see this in the church all the time. People are running around lying about who they are and what they're doing. We talk about being accountable to one another, but it's impossible to do this when we're not honest with one another. And we're not honest with one another because we're not real trusting. And it all kind of gets all mixed together. Paul tells us to bear one another's burdens, but... If we don't know what those burdens are, how can we bear them? And so we're walking around with this armor we've grown so accustomed to. I mean, we just stuff how we're really doing, which in essence is lying. So someone comes up to us and says, how you doing? Ah! I don't know if you ever make that sound. I'm not sure why I made that sound. It kind of sounded like a hawk. (laughs) I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Wonderful. God's good. Inside, though, we're just eating up with fear and anxiety and just found out we lost our job and looks like our dog likes our neighbor more than it likes us and things we just need to talk about. But but the truth is we may be eaten up with grief and fear, but we're not about to tell anyone because I don't really want to be honest. So it goes on. We keep on going around wearing masks in the church The one place where we shouldn't be wearing masks, this should be a safe place. 
And that's what it means to be robbed of our childlike honesty. We're afraid of telling one another how we're really doing. Okay, but what I love about kids, they're not very skilled at wearing masks at this age. Sure, they might lie, all right? But it's easy to get to the truth, all right? You ever had a kid break something in the house? Every day, yes. And you kind of go around grilling everyone. So, what happened to the lamp? Lamp? Do we have lamps? I don't know. It's like lamp? It's like lamp? What lamp? It's like, and then you go, huh. And we look at them, and all of a sudden we kind of see one of them cracking. It's like, did you break the lamp? And finally, it'll come out, you know, and like, yeah, I broke the lamp, I was throwing something, I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do, and if we're smart, we'll say, well, thank you for telling me. Now we'll just take all your allowance for in the next two years. No, don't do that. <laughs> so kids aren't really good at, uh, you know, at, at wearing masks, and I like that about kids. Uh, I hope I become a lot more honest, you know, as I continue to become more and more childlike, and I hope we all can handle that. Um, kids will sometimes tell you the truth even when you don't really want to know. And this can be a little embarrassing. Your breath stinks. I don't want to kiss Aunt Ruth. She smells like mothballs. Yes, she does. But I've been kissing Aunt Ruth for 30 years. Just, you'll be fine. All right. All right. Do you think she smells like moth? Okay, yeah, she smells like mothballs, all right? Now we'll get over it. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow up into him, that is Christ. When we lose our childlikeness, not only, though, do we learn to mistrust people and be dishonest, but we also learn to be repressed and in bondage. So number three, we've lost childlike freedom. Oh, that's awful. To lose your freedom. I want to ask you, when was the last time you giggled? A second ago. When was the last time you giggled? Just giggled. Uh, I'm doing a lot of giggling lately. I may mentally be losing it. I may be kind of slipping into that place where I'm laughing at things that I shouldn't be laughing at now. But I, uh, but I, I, don't think, I don't think I'm really losing it. One of my favorite things to hear is I love to hear kids giggle because I've been a giggler for years, especially at times when I'm not supposed to giggle, especially like at church or a funeral or, you know, just random places, a very serious, a very serious time. Trish and I, when we were first married, uh, she'd be really mad at me and I would just start laughing. She's like, why are you laughing at me? It's not you. It's me. I just, it's, it's a weird thing. Uh, so that's why I'm really not safe to be in here in the adult service all the time. Because you just never know when I'm going to have one of my giggle things going on. Um, we were at a very serious um, multiple church gathering. Uh, when I, Not here. I was when I was in Ohio. And I, I was sitting by a, a guy from the church who I shouldn't have been sitting by. And uh, we both just lost at a very serious time when neither one of us, and so we were like pretending to cough and pretending to do other things. Um, But probably, 
probably uh, the worst giggle attack that ever happened to me was when I was about 13 years old. I went to a revival at an apostolic church here in Indianapolis that will remain nameless at this point. You guys ever been to an apostolic church? It's kind of like uh, um, very Pentecostal. My first thing that should have clued me that I wasn't at a Lutheran church is they had about this much seating and about this much aisle. And everyone ran a lot. And, and it was very loud. And it was lots of screaming and lots of demonstrative things happening. And, and it was also um, a church where I don't know if it was talent night going on at the revival. But I'm sitting there beside my friend Jimmy Huffman. And he's a giggler too. And, and it just was a recipe for disaster. So... Many things happened that night that made Jimmy and I giggle, but um, did I tell you, like, at this church, the ladies all had really big hair. I mean, like, Leaning Tower of Pisa hair. I mean, a thing you don't see every day, um, and you couldn't see anything through the hair. You almost wanted to kind of like Marge Simpson kind of a thing. You just wanted to peel through and see what's happening. You're thinking there's probably birds and things that have been in there. and Twinkies, I don't know. Things have been misplaced. But one of these ladies with really big hair, a really big lady, I mean, she would have been hard to see around, you know, if she didn't have really big hair. But Jimmy and I were like these little scrawny kids, and we were pretty squirrely. Um, but Brother Cecil came up to do a special. Now, I'm sure his heart was in the right place, but Brother Cecil did not need to be doing special music with me and Jimmy there. It was not a good, it was not a good day. He had about three strings on his guitar. I think guitar, Clay, are they supposed to have more than three strings? Okay, well, at least six, we'll say. Yeah, I think he had three, and they were like real coiled, and he kept on like poking himself when he was trying to, and he couldn't really sing very well. So when he started singing, Jimmy and, I made the, Jimmy and I made the mistake of looking at each other at the same time. It was over. That's when the dam broke loose. And we made, uh, we made a lot of noise. And the lady in front of us was getting more and more frustrated. And she finally could not take it any longer. And she reached behind. She grabbed both of us by our shirts started slamming us up against the pew, saying, you boys, behave. You boys, stop laughing. Well, the worst thing you can tell someone who's laughing, stop laughing. So as she's slamming us back and forth on the pew, at this point, her hair broke loose. And there was just hair going everywhere. And I think birds were flying out and things were happening. And when Jimmy and I, we, we quickly looked at each other, we looked at the hair, and it was just like, ah! You know, it's like we started howling. And our faces were red, and we actually literally, well, the first time I was laughing so hard, it's like we just kind of fell limp in a fetal position there in the hall, or just in the aisleway. And we just had to crawl out of the service. Now, I never went back to that church again for a good reason, but, I mean, we were just drunk with laughter. But something happened. Then I knew. 
I could never really be serious. But the other thing that happened from that moment, there was more power and healing in our laughter than anything we experienced at that revival. See, Jesus went through so much pain and agony and trouble so that we could be free. And God's word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I want to give you permission to have a good time this morning, okay? To giggle. You don't have to repress around here. Few of us do. So when was the last time you giggled? Hopefully more giggling will happen. When was the last time you said something that was a little like, should I have said that? Uh, Say it, okay? Children don't think about things. It just pops out. And so if you say something really bad, it's like then you get prayer later. I don't know. I want to finish by reading a quote um, from Mike Iaconelli in his book, Dangerous Wonder. Mike Iaconelli wrote two great books that I love, Messy Spirituality, Dangerous Wonder, yeah. But here's what he says. It is time to find a place where the dangerous wonder of faith can be discovered. A place landscaped by risky curiosity, wild abandon, daring playfulness, quiet listening, irresponsible passion, happy terror, and naive grace, and a day when most of us are tired, worn out, thirsty, and starving for life and joy and peace, maybe it's time to become a child again. Maybe it's time to live this dangerous wonder of faith. Take our shoes off, roll up our sleeves, and have such a romp as no one has ever seen. Maybe it's time to play in the snow once again. So maybe also we can do something really religious, like finish up with some childlike worship. Okay, so I'm going to hand it over to you girls, all right?